Welcome to the official podcast of the Galway International Arts Festival 2022. I'm Andy Gaffney. And I'm Orla Higgin. In this show, we'll have interviews with guests, take a look behind the scenes and give you all the recommendations you need for this year's festival. On July 16th, Galway Community Circus will stage Lifeline, Europe's largest high wire crossing over the River Corrib. I pop down to the guys to chat all things phenambulism. So my name is Ulla Hockanen and I'm the Executive Creative Director of Galway Community Circus. Yeah, so Lifeline is a, is a big um, community-based um, arts project um, built around the art form of funambulism. Funambulism means um, wire walking with the balance pole. So um, Lifeline has been kind of in the works for many years now and we first started to to uh, plan and work on the project back in 2016 when uh, Galway was preparing for the the European Capital Culture. And uh, at the time um, we were working on a project called Wires Crossed. So um, from there on um, we were were building this big international um, program to to promote funambulism as as an activity that ordinary people can take part in and enjoy and uh, and, uh, culminating into a large-scale river crossing here in Galway City. And when when you say to someone, when you kind of first had this uh, idea of, okay, funambulism, river crossing, did anyone say to you, absolutely not? <laughs> yeah, many people, <laughs> for sure. I mean, I understand the idea is kind of mad and um, and it hasn't been done before in Galway City. And I think, um, uh, I suppose I can understand that people might not be able to imagine it just like how can an ordinary people uh, achieve the skills that they could cross a wire over the water? I think that in itself can be kind of hard to imagine. Never mind the the actual uh, image of setting up a high wire over the river Corrib. And as we know, Corrib River is at times really wild and really scary. But what was that first moment of spark where you thought, oh, actually, no, we can, I can do something here. Yeah, I think for me, two things. Um, one goes back to Brussels. Uh, I was attending a, a conference, a circus conference, um, I don't know, eight, ten years ago. And then during one of the lunch breaks, we got a chance to take part in a short um, funambulism workshop. Um, but I remember there were two people who were crying like positively crying after the workshop because they just thought that it was like, it was just so transformative. And I felt it myself as well. It just gave you in the half an hour, it gave you such a boost and kind of realization that I'm actually able to do this. And then second, well, I've always really wanted to to work on uh, particularly uh, youth mental health. You know, you think about it, I thought about it anyway a lot. Like, what can we do? How could we harness the Galway Community Circus and our activities in a way to to use our strengths to address um, issue and, and create some hope? There, there is, because I have, had a, I, I have had a go of it. No matter how many times you follow, you get such a, a feeling of satisfaction to get back up. And it does have that feeling of like, well, no matter how many times I'm falling down, I'm getting back up. And that must be a great thing to be able to, give to people like that must be a nice feeling to provide that feeling in someone absolutely i mean i think in terms of kind of 
um, the methodology the methodology um, used for for um, funambulism for the wire walking it's a it's quite simple I mean your objective really is to stay up on the wire right and very soon you realize that it's actually not the physical challenge that you need to overcome of course you need to learn the basic technique but it's actually simple enough but the but the real challenge is is your fear and your mind so uh, especially us as adults you know we we are often just so afraid of falling afraid of um, um, embarrassing ourselves in front of others you know so I think on the wire um, the lesson that you're really practicing is to it becomes like a mantra when you tell yourself that um, I can do this, I can do this, I will continue, I, I will, you know, reach the end of the wire one step at a time. Did you ever feel like kind of giving up or was it, what kind of, what kind of kept you guys going? Yeah, I suppose there was a moment when we, we, when we really felt that, you know, we have to let go of this dream, it's, it's just not going to happen. But we, we decided to, to give it one last um, try. And then last year we, we were um, successful in getting the Arts Council Open Call Award, which was a massive thing. And that really gave us the opportunity to, to have a second uh, attempt at uh, making this happen. So I'm Mairead, so I'm going to be crossing over the river on the 16th of July. I also got to have a call with Mairead, who'll be one of the participants on the day, and ask what goes through your head when you're doing this type of thing. Um, I have like the voice of my teachers in my head when I'm crossing, telling me, like the people who, who taught me before I learned to be a teacher, I still have their voices in my head telling me all of the like little tips they told me you know, to breathe. Sometimes um, I sing or talk to myself while I'm crossing if I'm feeling nervous or I do breathing like as I'm stepping. So I'll inhale and then exhale as my, my foot's going forward. Um, there's a lot of different things that go through my head. Honestly, I'm not, I try my best not to think about people watching me. What would be your number one tip for someone who is just getting up on getting up on it for the first time, what would be some, what would be your number one tip to say, like, okay, you can, you can do it? I think it's important to take things in baby steps. Like I show people pictures all the time of us doing river crossings, walking on high wire, doing tricks, whatever. And everybody always says, oh, I could never do that. Oh, that's so scary. I could never do that. Well, of course you couldn't, like not today. You're not going to go step straight onto the high wire and cross the river. Obviously, nobody, nobody does that. It's like baby, baby steps towards getting there. And every single person who's going to cross over the river on the 16th of July started from that place of looking at people, other people crossing the river, other people doing tricks or walking on the high wire or even just walking across the wire and said, oh, I could never do that. That's so scary. I'm never going to be brave enough. I'm never going to be strong enough. My balance isn't good enough, whatever. But you start on a very, very low wire. You start baby steps. Maybe you take one step. You start with the pole on the ground. You know, there's very small increments that you use to learn how to walk. And you don't have to do everything all at once. You don't have to, like you should set, I think, for me, one of the most helpful things was setting small goals for myself. So like, okay, today I'm gonna, my goal today is to just cross this wire. Or maybe yesterday I crossed a wire that was 30 centimeters above the ground. So today I'm gonna cross a wire that's one meter above the ground. 
and then every day it gets easier and easier and easier so you're not working you're not looking at the hardest thing to do and thinking that's what i need to be able to do look at something that's just a little bit out of your comfort zone and think that's where i need to be that's where i want to get to and set yourself goals that are just for yourself don't bother comparing yourself to other people because you don't know how long they've been training for or what their background is or you know everybody comes into it at a different place so i think respecting where you're at and looking at what can i do right now and what goal can i set myself that's just like a little bit further than what i've been able to do before and that's really really helpful and you'll get there eventually even doesn't matter what your goal is your goal doesn't have to be the same as everybody else's goal but you'll get there eventually whatever it is that you're trying to achieve i think the the lesson is about mindfulness you know taking your time taking a deep breath um getting yourself straightening your back um just continue to breathe um and funambulism is um is a funny thing because the more relaxed you are the easier it is so it's really about trying to calm yourself and and get to a place where um where you let the pole do the work and and you try to just breathe and keep your body relaxed it sounds very easy <laughs> i split my trousers when i did it. did you i did oh, no. yeah straight away 30, straight away like 30 seconds in you know in circus we always um you know we want to celebrate failure right <laughs> you know when you see clowning acts and the best ones you know it's it's such a good life lesson like we we go through life terrified of making mistakes terrified of you know what are people kind of think about us you know will i um uh, will i embarrass myself you know are people judging us and actually people are just too busy to think about you right so um you know actually there's a lot of support and love around there but like we just have to sometimes kind of learn to laugh at ourselves and even if we you know um split our, our trousers or <laughs> or whatever happens and so this obviously has been like you said this has been in your head this has been in the circus's head since 2016 when the when the last person is is on the ground and it's done on the day how are you going to feel Yeah, I'm actually nervous about that <laughs> to see how much I will cry, but uh hopefully I will just feel really proud of our team and every single performer and um all the people who have helped us to to get there. There's been a huge kind of goodwill from the community from uh um our funders to to people who are, you know, engineers who was helping this morning, costume makers, incredible musicians, uh um you know the the grocery shop donating food you know there's been just a lot of people who are helping in different ways so i think i will just feel really proud and and very very uh grateful um but also extremely tired <laughs> when it finally happens and it's and it's done with for now what's going to be the first thing do you think that's going to go through your head ooh i don't know i haven't really thought about it being done honestly because it's been so long <laughs> it's been so long that i've been thinking about it and training um i'm pretty excited to see um other people crossing like people that i know who i've been working with who've been training for so long um i think i'm excited to see all of the kids who've been training for it too and see like their families and everyone coming to support them and being proud of them and i think i'm going to feel really really happy for them 
There's a lot of families who've been training together. For myself, I'll feel relieved. And for everybody else, I think I'm going to feel really, really happy and really, really proud too. Lifeline by Galway Community Circus happens on July 16th from 1.30pm at the Clada Basin and truly cannot be missed. My name is Paul Fay and I'm the Artistic Director of Galway International Arts Festival. And whilst we had festivals of different shapes and sizes over the last couple of years, there is a great sense of the comeback this year, which is fantastic. And it's brilliant to be returning to our July dates. And one thing we really wanted to bring to the festival this year was just was a sense of joy and a sense of celebration. Well, while also like looking at some of the bigger questions that we're dealing with as a society, from climate change to um, housing crisis to whatever we also wanted we really wanted to bring an element of celebration and an element of fun um, and it's, it's great to be back in July our, our natural home but it's also great to be bringing things back out onto the streets uh, and so one thing I'm particularly looking forward to is Company Offlay's Giraffes uh, they're an incredible company from France that I've been a huge fan of for over 20 years and I first saw them in 2001 in Rome and I've been trying to get them to Ireland since then in various different places and I, I can't describe how happy I am because they're they are just things of great beauty and it's got all that magic of what Galway loves about a great big street show. It's it's beautiful, it's big, it's loud, it's lots of great special effects and it's just, it's absolutely, it's absolutely magic and I think it's a show for all families. I'm really, really looking forward to, to that element. And then other things that are going kind to of out there that are that are also free are things like the Festival Garden. It'd be great to have that sort of centre um, of the festival uh, right throughout the day in the heart of Galway and Air Square. So that's going to be a really uh, great thing to, to bring back for the first time since 2019 as well. And then generally there's, you know, there's, like what I love about, about the festival generally is uh, being, just walk, walking around a corner and happening upon something and, and just feeling kind of a city in celebration of culture. You know, that's one thing I think Goy has always I loved doing it and, and expressing itself through culture and it's great that we're, we're a part of that. It's brilliant to be back in the Festival Gallery at On Post um, with the stunning Anna Maria Pacheco. Um, we've got a, an incredible show from her uh, called Remember, uh, including a big new commission of, a, of a, 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 her final big piece. She's 79 and she says it's the last piece she's going to, to make of that significance. Um, 19 pieces in the installation, really, really incredible. I had a great studio visit to her very recently and it's. I think it's just going to blow people away. I think in the way that the Sam Jinx show in 2019 captured people's imaginations, this is very much going to do that. It's a, it's a show for absolutely everybody. Other things then, John Gerard, an artist we worked with a lot over the years, um, Mirror Pavilion, of course, um, most notably over the last few years, He's back with an incredible piece called Flare Oceana 2022. And Flare is, again, it's a simulation, it's a digital piece. Um, it's on a huge screen, seven meters by seven meters, in the, that middle pier on the docks. And it's, a, it's the image that audiences are looking at is of a burning flag uh, with, um, with smoke coming out of it. And it's a, it's a very, very powerful, immediate image. And it's commenting on the, the climate crisis, it's commenting on um, the heating oceans, the impact that the, the human world has on the, on the non-human world. And a really, really powerful message and something that's, you know, that's on the news every day. And it's something we all, you know, as a society, we all need to, to think about and address and make, make changes ourselves. Again, that's free, so it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be a, a hugely popular piece. Remember is a powerful solo exhibition by the Brazilian-born Ana Maria Pacheco. The exhibition looks at control and what people do to try and get a better life. Ana Maria joined myself and Andy in the studio to tell us all about it. You're very welcome back to Galway, Anna. I'm delighted to have been invited for the second time. It's a del- I really like Galway. 
Because, I mean, your exhibition the last time was a big hit. I think, was that in 2017? Yes, Five I years think ago? so. I kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to say it wouldn't have happened anywhere else to have in two weeks 20,000 people. I, I was astonished, but delighted, obviously, because if you make work, you want people to see it. Absolutely. And I suppose the gallery space is just, it's such a gorgeous space, particularly for your, the work of your scale. And I think they refurbished it. Uh, this new place and it's ideal so it's marvellous I'm delighted it's very good indeed uh, the exhibition is up now you're you finished hanging well it, we finished it assembling because it took a while that's why I came earlier because they are very heavy and quite complicated however I also was very impressed with the team that uh, it's quite a lot there are people to have to carry all this heavy thing assemble it all the painters, electrician, lighting. What an amazing group of people. And what I like about that is the fact that this is a question of principle of mind, is that in an endeavor like that, this, everybody has a role to play and they are equals. So without them, the work couldn't happen. And other people worked before. So to have this now all assembled is absolutely marvelous because it's the human aspect of it that I like so much. Everybody's so kind, interested, and uh, involved. And I think this is what uh, culture is about, is the engagement of the community. And so when an exhibition is put together fully for the first time, does that feel differently each time to you? Do you still get a little bit of excitement? Like, what's going through your head? Depends on the space that the work goes. Considering that this requires quite a lot of uh, con light control that is also not fashionable. I have been criticised, what I don't care much, but they criticise, oh, this would not, they don't need special colours on the wall and special light. This work I do requires that, and I'm delighted that people do it, uh, like here. So, but I think the, the as I said earlier on, it's marvelous to have all these competent people engaged in one goal. But of course, to get this work here, there were other stages. To start, um, to get the, the logs, the wood. And then so, we, I, my agents, who I owe a lot to them, they are so dedicated, have to deal with these arrangements to get these huge logs and all that. So this is the early stage. Then you have to carve. And I have an assistant who is also excellent. So then the moving of this I have, is quite something, all these big lorries. And uh, because they are heavy, but they are delicate uh, details. That are. So this is the other thing. So arrival in the gallery is the, another group of people to handle all this. And prior to that, the gallery has been painted the color that was chosen by myself. So then the lighting, very important, just finish it today. So you can see the enormous journey that when you started it with the carving the logs in the studio to have them here or right in the space. It's a long journey. But it is uh, curious how, because my studio is quite small, I couldn't have it assembled there. So it is a uh, revelation, because until then, it's all in my head. 
<laughs> so to see tangibly in front of you, it is quite uh, an exciting thing. But I insist on saying the best is because a work like that, as I described, could not have become a reality without the involvement with all these people in the most delightful, agreeable way. That makes a big difference. And after all, it's not just about myself. And how long has, so the exhibition is called Remember, and how long has that been in your head? In my head for 10 years. <laughs> I have to tell you, this is a very interesting story. When I conceived this 10 years ago, of course, it goes to transformations because you carry on living. So it, um, my agents, uh, um, I talked about that, and there is a stepladder in the composition. She, one day, walked here and found this old, an antique 19th century stepladder. She bought it, and I thought, but that's an act of faith. <laughs> I have nothing yet tangible, and they stepped in there. So that was nice, that kind of, um, as I said, it's, uh, I, it's so abstract, and slowly it becomes tangible. And this is one of the greatest pleasure. Can you take us through then what uh, Remember is? Can you just give us, I suppose, a little bit of a, an insight before we visit <laughs> yes. it in the gallery? This um, is probably because I have been doing this for a long time, about 50 years. Um, so the thing about uh, doing large pieces is quite complicated. They cost a lot financially. It's really demanding. I, it's not because I'm old as I am, but I can do it, but it's too difficult, too expensive. So this would be my last large piece, and I will carry on doing it, other things, but at that, in that scale, unless a miracle happens, <laughs> I believe in miracles, so that's possible, but so far, I think that would be the last one. So it is almost a summarization, not that I was conscious of it when I started, but now looking when it's finished, it's a kind of reflection of these 50 years of a, a journey. So it is a pleasure to be able to see it um, completed. And there are elements that you will see in the show that I like to leave the public to read it the way they want. I'm certain one continuously experiences life in one is transformed through not only the work, but through life itself. So this is remember. And I think uh, there are two very important um, uh, things that are a continuum in my work. What I'm interested in is power unchecked in memory. Uh, the idea of power is fascinating because one always is astonished to see how um, people get um, uh, in whatever walk of life. But lately, one talks about politics. The desire for power is astonishing. This is nothing. But that's very old, very old. There's nothing new. Now, memory, I find, again, is often double-edged because we need memory, and memory cannot be erased. They can be uh, put down and covered but still there. And there are things that are perhaps better not to be remembered, but it's important to retain a memory of an experience. Otherwise, uh, so one can understand our journey. Otherwise, we make the same mistakes. 
You know what you were saying there about people interpreting it at themselves as they go through it, the people who come to the exhibition. I was wondering, during the exhibitions, do you kind of hang around the gallery and kind of observe people as they observe your well, work or do you prefer to just remove yourself well, altogether? I, I think that um, it, it is an interesting question because uh, if you make a work, as I described earlier on the various stages, it would be silly to say, well, I don't care about... No, of course, if you make a work, you want people to see, to see how people react to the work. It's, to a certain extent, it's important because you don't know if, if you are clear enough in what the intentions are. Um, and you can be sometimes disappointed or not. But I think the, the thing is that need to um, share something. Don't like this time. I think they will have something. I rather not have anything on the wall explaining the work. I think every human being has, they have lived. So they come with a, a kind of experience, whatever level, and they should read the work in their own terms. It would be an arrogance in my, to tell them that's how you read the work. It's quite nice. They, this is their, I've done my bit. This is their role to see and take or not the way they want. An aspect of your, of your work that I, that I love and you hear often people talking about it when they, when they see it is just they, they react so much to the, to the expressions on, on their face and because they tell great, great stories. What do you think is the key to getting to the truth of a story on an expression well, face? again, it's an interesting question because living in England, I don't think here's the same thing. There is, uh, if, when I came to, in, to live it in London 50 years, almost 50 years ago, it just, uh, was always, uh, they don't like narratives. Well, I come from a place we tell stories all the time. And I like to have that element of narrative in my work. So that is also a step towards how I deal with the expressions because I'm, I'm involved not in a linear, the narrative is not linear, it's circular. So you, you, the beginning is in its end. So when um, I want to get some sense of a presence, because that's fundamental to me in sculpture. The figures have to have a presence. Um, the way I, I uh, let's say, structure the body pose and the expression in the face, but it is also, one has to be careful because it's the danger of become a caricature. It's not that what I want. So it is a kind of a, um, indirectly, and it's to do, as I said, the presence helps how you read it. But again, you have to have the, a very kind of loose narrative that I quite like because it's where I come from, is a culture I have been brought up. We love stories. So um, that is, I use, for example, the eyes are very important. But I think when you talk to people, this is, you look in the eyes. So the gaze is quite important in the work, how they communicate. And I, it took some time, as often is the case, I use uh, onyx for the color, and the white is a resin. But curiously, because the onyx is highly polished, the, when you look at it uh, with the light, 
it looks as if there is a pupil there. I think the brain completes it. That's what I think. I suppose you're thinking behind it, so it's almost like it's only complete then when the audience comes Absolutely. into the gallery. The work is not complete without the audience. The audience, as you said, uh, close the circle. And I, I always say this because um, I think that we live in a time, of course everybody knows this, there is a huge distance between what the artists do and the public. And I, I found that it's so sad because um, the audience closes the circle. And when it happens, it's a great joy what, uh, if one experiences that. It gives you great joy. Remember runs throughout the festival at the Festival Gallery. Don't miss it. My name's James Harold. For 31 years, I was arts officer for Galway County and City. I remember the first arts festival event I was ever at which was a riveting reading by John McGarn upstairs in a little building which now houses Sheridan's Wine Bar. And even now when I go into Sheridan's with a glass of wine, I can still see the ghost of John McGarn sharing Roscommon and Sligo and Days in Galway with us across, across the years. That was before I ever got involved with the Arts Festival. Then, bit by bit, I became um, one of the volunteers and uh, for the Arts Festival. I worked in many different areas. There was a brief stint that I spent um, working in the box office. And in those days, the box office was phenomenal because it was pre-computer days and there'd be 13 or 14 people ranged along a long counter in a pop-up uh, space somewhere in the city and the doors would open and vast throngs of Galwegians and tourists would come in all together to buy their tickets. So I did that for a little bit but I was put into um, liaison which I think was much more interesting. I was asked first of all to do the lights for Guy Clark performing in the Great Southern, as it was called. I'd never done lights before, but Jimmy McCarthy was the support act. So I practiced with Jimmy McCarthy. Porrick Board had showed me how to work the sliders a bit and told me to stay away from the sound. I wasn't going near the sound very wisely. I still wouldn't, but I was happy enough to have a go with the lights. So by the time a very traumatised Jimmy McCarthy had left the stage in purple or something, I had practiced enough for Guy Clark and it all went really smoothly and it was just fantastic. It was the original Desperados waiting for the train which of course was next door in the railway station. So I brought him down to the crane and it was a very raucous and robustuous night in the crane with lots of action. It was like a Wild West saloon and Guy Clark acknowledged that by saying to me after one particularly exciting interval, he said, this is just like West Texas. So I came back to Galway to become Arts Officer for the County Council and City Council and my relationship with the Arts Festival became more formal because I was part of the funding process. I could see where the Arts Festival was making great work in providing new links for uh, communities to get involved with the festival and supporting artists in making their dreams come true. The relationship that the Arts Festival built up over the years with Sean McSweeney Brian Burke, Hughie O'Donoghue in particular, and then later on my fellow Nina man, John Gerard, was absolutely spectacular and very deeply felt. One of my best performance memories is 
Charlie Murphy in Arlington a few years ago in Legeland. It was a vast stage, but an enclosed space where Charlie Murphy was like a blue bottle in a jam jar, rushing around the stage, giving the most incredible expression of captivity and escape and will to escape. It was a powerful performance and remains in my memory. Another memory that remains with me is the Machnus Millennium Parade, where Machnus and Group F did a nighttime show which was revolutionary for Machnus. We all finished in the swamp, over 200 of us who were all the performers. I had the great pleasure of driving a float, something I always wanted to do rather than performing. We all trudged our way across the swamp, having left our floats by the seashore and went over to the audience. There was a vast audience and there was 200 of us and we all joined hands and bowed to the audience, which was a first for Machnus because usually you finish up somewhere up by the crane or um, Dominic Street and you're fairly exhausted and you just make your way back to back to base. But on this occasion, we were all together able to take a bow, which was a very special experience for all of the Magnus performers. I don't think we ever managed to achieve anything so perfect again. I also remember Ellis comedians coming to Galway and seeing what I did not think actually existed, which was a glass hammer, because when they were working on uh, putting all their equipment together and putting all the fireworks together, they could not chance a spark that would possibly ignite the whole of Nyland House and most of Merchants Road in Galway. So glass hammers were in use and I think rubber hammers as well. And wasn't it worth waiting for? Because that night in Galway, such a wet night, classically wet night in Galway with the uh, the devils down in a very different time, in a very different place, was just so wonderful. So many great um, organisations and theatre companies have come to Galway. I remember Footsbarn here in the fisheries field, quite close to where we were recording. And I remember them as well performing in the Aula Maxima because inclement weather in May in Galway, who would have thought, broke the tent pole, the main pole for their tent. So they had to transport their show into the Aula Maxima. And it was, uh, it was just a harbinger of what was to come both for us in Galway because of course Footsbarn and his comedians were the godparents of Machnus who set up base just around the corner from where they performed and for so many great companies right across the board dance companies and theatre companies companies like Steppenwolf and Arkhouse and right up to the present day the joy of being in the Goey Arts Festival is the great companies come to us whether it's the National Theatre bringing uh, the Lieutenant of Inishman or whether it's Edward Hall's Propeller bringing remarkable versions of Shakespeare or Steppenwolf we've been lucky enough just to sit back and let them all come here Galway International Arts Festival is so close to the heart of Galway it could not possibly be closer the people of Galway come to the festival. They love the festival, they appreciate it, they appreciate the glow of satisfaction that comes from a job in the arts truly well done.
Now, you've already heard from Artistic Director of the Galway International Arts Festival, Pa Fahi, give his recommendations, but we thought, who better to see us out? So Orla sat down for a chat with Paul. So Paul, you're obviously the Artistic Director of the festival at the moment, but I mean, your association with the festival goes back a long time and in many different roles, doesn't it? It does indeed. It's in my veins, Orla. Um, yeah, so I have been the Artistic Director of the festival since 2006, so this is actually my fest- 17th festival. Um, I got a shock when I was counting them up the other day when I realised that. But yeah, I was the publicity manager for the festival before that and then I did various different kind of freelance gigs and whatever for the festival, but again, prior to that. But you know, I grew up in Galway um, and I was aware of the festival from, like it was in the early 80s, I guess, is when I really kind of became aware of it and I'd have been like a teenager or whatever. And without articulating it, what appealed to me about the festival was how it impacted a place. And it was only kind of years later that I actually sort of said it like that. It got, actually, it can really have a, a big influence on, on, a, on how a place comes together to be together as kind of a people. And I just love that. In the way that, that, you know, an audience or a crowd, an audience, a crowd will come together to watch a match and cheer on their team. I really feel that during the festival, the audience and the crowds come out to cheer on their team and they're so proud of what, what the festival is. And I loved that and I loved how how it could make an impact for change at a place. Um, so it always hugely appealed to me. So I volunteered. Uh, so like if it was a volunteering changed my life to all the volunteers out there who, who and of which there are hundreds and on whom we, and on, uh, and on whom we rely hugely. But um, I volunteered and my first job was in 1987 or 88 in the Cladder Hall, the new Cladder Hall as it's called, which is not particularly new, up behind the Cladder Church, um, when Robert Lepage was here with um, Theatre Repair from Canada with a stunningly powerful show called The Dragon's Trilogy. I can still see every single bit of it in my mind. And I did the front of house and made the tea for the artist backstage. And that was my first um, my first engagement with the festival. And then and I loved it and it was a job I always thought, God, I would love to have that job. Uh, maybe not back then, but as the years kind of went by. So yeah, and then, you know, I I, I, I performed with Mockness, who were you know, founded by the festival. Actually, I celebrate. think that's one of my abiding memories of you, Paul. High, high up in the sky, painted blue. <laughs> and like, you know, lording it over the parade, you know, like the king of the Festival. They were they were the days, and they were they were they were incredible. You know, the the the, the parade back back then, I suppose, was kind of one of the centerpieces to the to to the festival. Um, and like Mockness are such an incredible company, and 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 remain so. And they captured so much of a time, I suppose. And like they were there, you know, there's so many people actually who've had careers throughout the you know through the festival and around the festival. Um, you know, performed Mockness over 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 the years. So that's uh, you know, I hold that very special in my heart. And then, how did it come about? Then you made the transition from working with the festival. Onto artistic director. Well, I or what, made, what was the impetus that spurred you on to? Yeah, go, yeah I'm definitely going <laughs> with this. Um, well, I mean, you know, I, I knew the, some of the previous artistic directors obviously very well, and, and I had worked with them. And um, you know, I remember like watching Trish Ford, who actually was the first artistic director, and watching her festivals and like really thinking, God, these are fantastic. And then Ted Turton took over, and then Rose Parkinson took over. Um, and I was working at the time. I was you know, working a bit freelance, and then I started working full time in Galway Arts Centre, and I was the um, uh, the visual arts curator down there and ran Courch, the literature festival. But then I started. To, I, then I left there, and I, 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 yeah, I worked work closely with Rose Parkinson, and Fergal McGrath, who, who ran the festival prior to myself, and John Crumlish, and started work, doing the uh, PR gig, um, and loved it, and then just. You know, and then, then that was kind of took up half of my time, and the rest of my time was done was spent working on creative projects outside of Galway, that like festival style projects. I did a lot of work with the Kenny Arts Festival and um, with Magic Theatre Company and with various different people or whatever. And always had my eye on that, and thought, well, maybe I will throw my hat in the ring when it comes up. And I was I was very lucky to to get it. You know, look 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 is a is a great thing. I was there at the right time, maybe. And of course, you've taken the festival then in another new direction in terms of your co-productions and your collaborations. I mean, that was a very deliberate choice. Why? Did 
did you want to kind of move in that direction? A very deliberate I mean, the festival had produced things uh, off and on over the years and some amazing, amazing shows, you know, mainly in, in I suppose, in, in Rose Parkinson's time. Uh, but I suppose strategically, I thought, you know, I wanted to make the festival very distinctively different to other other big international arts festivals and for it to be a festival that would originate work, um, create work for artists, develop relationships with, with writers. And maybe like, I mean, the fact that I've been in my job for quite a while has maybe allowed me to develop those kind of relationships, especially with Andy Walsh and with Landmark Productions they, and then with, with, with other, other artists. Um, and so you're kind of aiming to make it a destination festival where people will have to come here to see something first. And then also the ability then to... You know, and the, the desire was that we would make something and then we would try and tour it. And again, luck came into it in, in, in part, you know, something's happened at the right time, whatever. I think we also made some very good work um, and we, it was just brilliant to be able to tour things around the world. And then that in, in turn then becomes a showcase internationally for not just for the festival, but for, for Irish artists. And that's what you're doing. You know, you're, 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 you're creating a platform and a, and a space for Irish artists to make great work. Um, and then so people, you know, if you're doing shows in New York or like we're just back from Sydney having toured John Gerard's Murray Pavilion there, you know, people are seeing my God, this is a festival that's producing and commissioning this kind of work. So you're, you're, you know, you're shining a spotlight on the festival in a different kind of a way. And that, and like all these things just take, take time because, you know, you're constantly knocking on doors in my job, either looking for somewhere to put on a show or saying, please come to Galway. And so, you know, bit by bit and year by year, people start to take more notice. So there was a, that was, but it was a very strategic decision to make in terms of, okay, we're going to anchor things down um, in the festival that we will make either ourselves or with co-producers, it's always easier to do it with co-producers, um, and have that very much centred to what the artistic programme is. And you're back with the bang in 2022. Well, I, we're back with the I mean, I, I, you know, I was actually, when we were signing off on the programme, I thought, oh my God, this is actually turning out to a be a big beast and Adam Fitzsimons our very fantastic production manager said to me God, do you think you could have left out one or two of the bigger things because it's a bit of a challenge but you know we really wanted to come back with the bang and with. And I think what's what I'm kind of delighted with this year with the festival is um, like so many of the different areas like street visual arts music theatre all have big anchor projects in them and some of them have multiple anchor projects in them like for example in the visual arts like we've got Annex um, John Gerard or Anna Marie Pacheco in any other year one of those three things could be the central show around which you could build the rest of your visual arts programme similarly in theatre with the opera with home with Steppenwolf um, and so on so there's a lot of offerings no matter what you're interested in because you know not everybody's going to be interested in opera not everybody's going to be interested in some other kind of music or visual arts so I think there is something that's there no matter what way you want to have, have you know have your engagement with the festival um, and you know and as I said we really wanted to bring the magic back out there whether you're on the streets doing things um, with your family or friends or whatever or you're making the paying your money to buy a ticket to go and see something so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm delighted with what, what, what we have on, on, with, with what the offering is this year and I hope people people engage and, and, and celebrate it as well I suppose last question at the risk of putting you on the spot but what is your highlight from the festival <laughs> over the years over I know that years. is the meanest question over in the, the world well uh, I mean, the, so uh, I mean, it, it's a very hard question to ask, and I could pick out three or four of my favourite shows, which probably would would be. Better. But you know what? My really, what my favourite, 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 favourite thing is is I just love when you're indoors at something, and when the lights come down, and the show is about to start, and the curtain goes up, and there's just that kind of breathtaking moment of expectation from the audiences and from the artists, and it's that kind of little frisson that happens between the auditorium and the stage, and. You know, that's a magic that you just can't capture. And I love, it's like, I was at the sh- a, sh- a show last night, same thing. It was just, like, kind of, as soon as it starts, it's like something like lighting a match, kind of, and you're going, oh my God, what's in store for us here? That's what I love the most, I think. 
This podcast was produced by Andy Gaffney and Orla Higgins. Special thanks to Flirt FM at NUI Galway. Information for all shows can be found at GIAF.ie.